0: Welcome to the Consumer Rundown Podcast, your destination for the people, companies, and trends transforming today's consumer markets. We are your hosts. I'm Penny. And I'm Dimitri. Today, we are joined by Stephanie and Kelly, co-founders of Impact Food, a company that is developing plant-based seafood products. In this episode, they discuss the challenges and opportunities of creating a sustainable and delicious alternative to animal-based seafood. Stephanie and Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please start by giving us just a, a quick intro of yourself and Impact Food?
1: Thank you so much for having us on the podcast today. So, I'm Kelly. I'm the co founder and CEO of Impact Food. We're reimagining a more sustainable food system where our animals, our planet, and people can thrive together. My journey started initially back in 2020 while I was a student. Majoring in business at UC Berkeley Haas. And I just wanted to find something meaningful to do. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I started working on a couple different startups in the ed tech space and skincare and was really just looking for something else to pursue. And at the time, I had stumbled into a class called the Alternative Meats Challenge Lab at Berkeley. Mm. And This was really exciting to me because of the idea of being able to go to class and just try new foods. When I got to the class, what I ended up learning instead was about our food production system and how unsustainable it is, both for our environment and how cruel it is for animals. That's when I decided to start working on a passion project and met Stephanie and Adrian as well. And at the time, I had also started transitioning to a more plant based diet and just found very limited alternatives to animal protein and really Uh started to miss the foods that I had learned to love, such as seafood. And so we embarked on a project together to transform the way that we eat through food. And that's kind of how Impact Food was born.
2: I'm Stephanie. I'm the COO and co-founder of Impact Food. When I met Kelly and our third co-founder, Adrian, in the classroom that Kelly mentioned earlier, I had already set the intention of starting a plant-based food company. For me, landing on that business idea came six years ago, which is when I became vegan. Uh I had a lot of friends and a lot of people that I knew around me that were starting to eat more plant-based. And they would always give reasons like, oh, I don't eat pork because they're almost like a dog. Or I don't eat octopus because they're extremely intelligent. As people gave me their reasons for specific animals they wouldn't consume, I just realized that for me, it didn't matter how smart or not the animal was. They were all sentient, and I didn't want to contribute to the ethical industrial complex of that is animal farming. Through that, I started thinking, how can I contribute to less animal products? And what can I do to change the way that people think about how they dress, how they eat, how they interact with animals? And luckily, there was this class at Berkeley that ringed a bell in my head like, oh, wow, this is how Hmm. I'm going to be able to combine my entrepreneurial spirit with this passion and find people who also have this passion towards protecting animals and our environment and found my co-founders.
0: Very cool. I went to Berkeley myself and I don't remember having this very cool food lab class that you had so awesome that you had that experience. But Impact Food specifically focuses on alternative tuna. Why did you pick that category?
2: We started off with a lot of different projects. We worked with surimi, with salmon, with honestly anything that was seafood based and through a lot of trial and error we realized that the product that we had created for tuna made the most sense and was the most similar to tuna. We also chose to work with tuna because bluefin tuna is one of the most endangered, regularly consumed fish. There's less than 3% of bluefin tuna left in the world. And we wanted to be able to open up space for them to be able to regrow and have a a little bit more of recovery of this ecological damage. For us, it's more about can we sell enough tuna and convince enough people to want to go to this plant-based diet such that bluefin tuna can once again come back and survive in the ocean.
1: We always knew we wanted to focus on seafood because Mm -hmm. of looking at the current supply chains and our oceans that make up like 70% of our planet and Mm. They support all of life, yet they're really sick from climate change and overfishing. So we needed to explore something in this category, and tuna seemed like the perfect place to start, both in terms of the market need for this very popular fish, as well as the sustainability factors and environmental drive for producing a product like tuna that is also an apex predator that maintains Mm. a lot of the balance in our global ecosystem and ocean.
0: That's awesome. I read or heard about a scary fact quite a few years ago that our generation might be the last one to have sashimi or sushi, that our children might not be able to know what sushi is because of how overfished our oceans are. From that perspective, I'm personally very happy that you guys are tackling this problem.
2: I think that there's a certain level of education that's necessary with the ecological damage and potential negative health factors from seafood. So a lot of people look at seafood and immediately think this is the the healthiest option. Mm-hmm. Like if they're going to choose between beef or a salmon, they'll definitely take the grilled salmon mm-hmm. in terms of health. And also people look less at the ocean in terms of what is causing climate change? What is causing um, damage to our environment versus looking at the land animal farming take? There's also a lot more online on social media and in terms of documentaries that show what industrialized farming looks like. And I think also people sympathize more with cute animals that smile <laughs> and have fur and petted and hugged and yeah. so on. So I think fish. We're left behind, and people don't realize that a third of all marine mammals are threatened with extinction. A lot of it is definitely caused by climate change and habitat destruction, but also by the dramatic decrease in ocean fish stock. So, the amount of consumption that we're having of seafood is destroying our ocean, which in turn destroys our planet. So, I think that the education of how bad overfishing is to the environment is something that needs to be better shown. Sea Spiracy did a great job at that. But I think there's a lot of education still missing for people to want to go towards plant based seafood. Plant based seafood is also in many ways harder to mimic technologically mm-hmm. and right and just being able to create the muscle fibers and the texture and the striations and the flavors. It's a lot of stuff that hasn't been researched that much yet when we're looking at flavors that exist on the market we can find everything from chicken to beef to like a lot of different kind of land animals but when it comes to seafood especially raw seafood it's definitely not that researched yet
1: and the health factor seems to be playing a much bigger role these days amongst consumers of all ages and demographics. With a lot of consumers transitioning to more plant-based diets, typically seafood is the last step. So you see a lot of pescatarians or even flexitarians that they still eat seafood because they believe that it's still a very nutritious product. But that's also where the education factor comes in and that a lot of the seafood is also contaminated by antibiotics and also has mercury, such as in tuna. So It's important to be educating consumers that we provide a healthy alternative that also tastes good and can serve in these same versatile applications, whether it be in a poke bowl or in a sushi roll or Mm -hmm. even cooked types of fish. So we definitely see a lot of market potential and opportunity there.
0: Definitely. Can you give us a, a lay of the land of the alternative seafood or alternative tuna market? And where would you place impact food? I think you guys are more like Impossible, where you're actually mimicking raw tuna. But would be curious to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely similar. And I think there's also a number of different stages that alternative seafood has gone into. When we initially started looking at, even for myself, when I started eating a more (laughs) plant-based diet, The only options I could really find were like carrot rolls and cucumber rolls and tofu bowls and things like that. And so the first movement of it in terms of creating products that mimic the real conventional animal protein were also some fish burgers and fish fillets and fried and breaded types of fish, which is similar to impossible meat, which is also burgers and patties and chicken nuggets and in terms of tuna, it was mostly extruded products such as canned tuna. And there wasn't really anything in the whole cut sector. And I think this is an area that even terrestrial meat, impossible and beyond still haven't really tapped into Mm -hmm. either. But for seafood, because seafood has always been a more premium and perceived as a very high quality product category, consumers are having that demand for products that are a whole cut type of seafood. And there's sushi, it's not something that can be just like breaded or fried and they want to be using this whole muscle structured seafood or are looking for that premium cut. And so that's why we also decided to focus on creating whole cuts types of seafood that can provide muscle structure and quality that consumers are looking for.
3: The decision to focus on bluefin tuna versus other forms of tuna like albacore or skipjack, is that a market-based decision or a technology-based decision?
1: One of our values as a company is delicious innovation. We're always focused on creating the highest quality, tasty, novel product. So it's a combination of both the innovation side and as well as the market and need for it and trying to find a solution for it too. So sustainability-wise, we knew that bluefin tuna is is already very endangered with less than 3% of the population remaining. So it made a lot of sense to create this specific cut of tuna. And we also knew that bluefin tuna is a very delicate and complex fish with a very particular texture that is very difficult to replicate. But we saw this as a really unique challenge and wanted to pursue this area and this type of fresh fish and provide that premium cut to consumers. That's why we decided to have a combination of both the sustainability factors driving this product and the market need for it, as well as the innovation that we had behind our company and R&D team in pushing this product forward. What
0: was important to you in terms of the taste and texture of the product? Did you run into any challenges?
2: What's challenging with tuna is that A lot of people have a hard time even describing what tuna tastes like or feels like. They'll usually say, oh, it's oceany and mild and soft. And that's really true. Tuna has a very subtle umami taste. And the more fresh it gets, the higher quality your tuna is, the more subtle that flavor is. I think that really forced us to focus a lot on the texture for a while, where for us, the importance was how can we give someone the mouth feel of tuna or the mouth feel of what they expect in a tuna roll or a mm-hmm. tuna poke or dishes that usually you'd eat with raw tuna and i think that focus on the texture really led the development and the way towards an amazing product that we have today also people experience tuna with sauce they'll usually have it in like a spicy tuna roll or something or like a very saucy Okay, So a lot of times, what's also important for a tuna product is that it's able to absorb the sauce and it's able to be marinated the same way that tuna is. And I think that's something else that really shines with our product is that if you add any marinade to it, it will suck in those flavors and it will have that flavor and remind you of the experience of consuming tuna. We've gone through thousands of iterations
1: of our first flagship tuna product, which is plant-based, raw sushi-grade impact tuna. We had initially started off with a couple of different beta versions, some that were firmer or softer or had a more subtle fish flavor, some that had a stronger flavor, and got a lot of that market feedback to help us determine when the development would get to a point where we're ready to
2: launch the product. We hosted a lot of events and a lot of tastings with investors or friends or people who never tried the product, vegans, vegetarians, uh, meat eaters. And we set a bar where as long as 70% of people enjoy this product, it's good enough for the market. We kind of set that bar for ourselves. And today we're at 90.
0: Can I ask what it's made of?
2: The key ingredients are pea protein, algae, and
1: vegetable juice for coloring. So the coloring comes from beetroot. The product is also very high in fiber and omega-3 and potassium and protein as well. Less cholesterol, um, lower fat, and overall is a very substantial and comprehensive nutritional product. We've definitely gotten to a point where we've fortified the product enough that it is very comparable to the nutritional profile that someone would be getting out of a conventional animal-based tuna product without any of the antibiotics or mercury or
2: negative factors of the fish.
3: For consumers, what do you think is the selling point? Is it going to be sustainability or nutrition?
2: There's a lot of studies that already show that one out of every three Americans already consume mostly plant-based meals in their week. And they're very interested in trying new plant-based products, but what holds them back from plant-based proteins, as opposed to just plant-based meals in general, is the flavor, the texture factor. They're scared of it not tasting good. And the higher price point, which usually these products have, people already care about the environment and they already care about their health. They're choosing these healthier, more environmental choices, but- they don't want to make choices that don't taste good. And I think that that's where our product will shine because our product does taste amazing.
0: Today, you sell directly to restaurants. How did you make that decision? Do you kind of have to do a lot of education and convincing restaurants to try your product?
1: So starting out when we looked at seafood as a category, seafood is something that typically consumers are eating outside of their home rather than preparing Mm. something at home, especially something in the raw seafood category. That's why we saw restaurants and food service as the perfect place to start. And we've always been really inspired by Impossible Foods that started off with working with restaurants and chefs. We're pursuing a similar approach where we're starting with some limited market activations because Mm -hmm. we're essentially reinventing the seafood experience. And because food is such a social and cultural experience, chefs are the best way to curate that experience for consumers and help them to integrate it and learn how to use the products by first having the chefs incorporate into certain dishes and consumers going out and experience it then they'll be able to learn how it can be easily incorporated into their daily lives.
3: What's the biggest objection that you have to overcome from chefs when you pitch them the opportunity to use plant-based tuna in their dishes or on the menu?
2: I think in the past, it was they want to maintain the authenticity of their dishes and of what sushi is known to be and what bokeh is known to be. But today, chefs that have in the past not been interested, have reached out to us, saying that now they get so many vegetarian and vegan consumers at their restaurants that they do need to start serving these kind of alternatives, that initial hurdle of coming over, can plant based products be quality products that taste good and feel good, Mm -hmm. is where we have that initial barrier. But I think we've already passed that with a lot of the chefs that we've been talking to.
1: Have
0: you encountered any chef partners that were just not willing to try?
1: Definitely, there have been some restaurants, but it was also along the lines of the authenticity. I think starting out, it was a bit difficult to educate them. And we also had to learn how to message and communicate this type of a new product and new experience to chefs and restaurants. And so Uh there were some restaurants that would tell us that they already have other vegetarian or vegan options, cucumber rolls and carrot Uh, rolls. So why would they need this other (laughs) plant-based alternative that isn't something that they already have? But Uh what they started to realize is that consumers were starting to look for products that could actually provide the full nutritional profile of animal protein and can also taste like the animal protein with that same experience. And As we started to market this more as a new seafood experience, it started to bring a lot more excitement and interest from these chef partners. Along with the requests from their consumers that is increasing significantly, like even in the Bay Area, what we've had been seeing was some restaurants with around 20% of their customer base frequently requesting vegan or vegetarian options and many of those people aren't even vegan or vegetarian they're just maybe flexitarian or looking for a healthier option one day of the week so definitely been a lot more interest in that space
0: yeah that's a really good point we have several friends who are vegetarian and there are definitely types of cuisines that work better that if we go out to dinner with them we always gravitate to like mexican is a really good example and sushi is typically not part of that list just because there are no mm-hmm. good options, right? Like you can have a cucumber roll, an avocado roll for $30 here in LA and just be <laughs> hungry like 30 minutes later, why would you turn down an alternative seafood option that is just as filling and, and tasty? So I, I think this could really help open up this cuisine to this group of people who, who normally wouldn't go to sushi restaurants.
1: And for restaurants, it's also just introducing a new revenue stream. What we've heard from some restaurants is that if I can bring on this many more customers, why not go for that additional opportunity? They're always looking for ways that they can cut their costs and also bring in some more revenues and more customers. And with our product too, because it's at parity with conventional tuna or could potentially become even cheaper as we scale, it can also help restaurants to cut the cost
3: the market for plant-based seafood is around fifty million, it's projected to grow to around a billion in the next ten years. From your perspective, what is it going to take to succeed in this market?
1: One of the biggest things is just creating a very craveable, enjoyable experience for consumers. Because I think in the past couple of years, there had been a lot of alternative proteins coming out, and there was a lot of the market was getting a bit saturated. But a lot of things were very similar; like they were all the same. Uh, like breaded products or the same fried products. And there wasn't really anything as novel, such as like a whole cut seafood structure or could replicate the same experience and taste of conventional seafood that consumers were looking for. So I think definitely having something that's craveable and as well as accessible to consumers at their various different channels, um, whether it's at a restaurant or at a grocery store, if it's something that's easy to integrate into your lifestyle already, it'll be easier to create that movement around eating more plant based and especially in something that's more of a white space like seafood.
3: There are a lot of competitors out there. Do you pay attention to what they're doing?
2: We've looked to understand what market we were going into, we want to understand who are their current consumers? What does the market look like for them? What kind of restaurants and grocery stores and revenue models are working for them so that we can learn and adapt from their mistakes? And today, there are a number of great companies out there as well doing different products and similar products. And we've watched their growth as well and becoming better and better companies and better and better products. I think it's all important for us to be trying each other's products and improving our own products. Because in the end, we all do have the same goal. We all have the same mission of protecting our oceans and helping people consume less animals. I think it
1: definitely helps to drive a lot of innovation as well in the space. And it's really Mm -hmm. exciting to just see more products and more people working towards the mission of saving our oceans and creating a more sustainable food system. So we're definitely cheering everyone else on and all working together towards the same goal.
0: I love that. Can you share your future plans or goals for growth and expansion?
1: One of our biggest goals is really to just make our products accessible everywhere that consumers eat, which is globally around the world. So we've always had a very global strategy, like working with our partners, strategic partners in Japan and exploring how market penetration there might look like. And so for us, it's not only about creating very delicious and high quality, consistent products, uh, but also being able to make them accessible, both in terms of price and geographies and locations that we're getting into. And so we're starting off with restaurants and food service and helping us to build out this brand presence and start to educate the consumer as we create this movement. Mm -hmm. But eventually we would want to get out into the mass market and have as many mouths try our product as possible and have as many different applications as possible because food is such a cultural and uh, social thing that is prominent in every single cuisine around the world.
3: You have great examples of success with Impossible and Beyond growing so quickly. Can you still follow that playbook?
2: I think that one thing that does change between how Impossible and Beyond went about things versus companies that are coming out today is like a a generational thing where back then maybe people were less caring about the environment or less understanding of plant-based products or they were used to plant-based Products that weren't that great that are like in the frozen section of the grocery store, and so on. So, I think that today people have higher expectations of plant based products. I think that pushes everyone that is working in this space today to have to come out with great products to start with. And I think consumers are also more aware of why these companies exist and the overall brand and character of the company has to be more relatable to the consumer, right? It's way more common to be creating TikToks about our process and showing our behind the scenes and look at us delivering our product because that is the truth. That is what we're doing. But today it's way less about let's be secret and let's be professional and let's make this look like a corporate business. And it's more about let people join in and tune in to exactly how much work is being put into creating this amazing product and let them just follow our journey and enjoy it at the end.
1: Even with Impact Food, our goal is really to be able to empower consumers with this choice to make an impact through what they eat. And so because food is something that everyone needs, and everyone makes these choices three times a day, ideally, or the number of times you um, eat a meal. That's why having consumers involved in our journey is a really important part of our strategy and process of building our company.
0: I think we might be getting to our last question here. What business or philosophical principles are most critical for you, both in terms of running Impact Food and also just your personal life?
1: I think that's a great question. And for me, I think something that's kind of very core and drives me in terms of both my personal life and with impact food is just finding and pursuing meaningful work. And that's kind of how I got started in impact food in the first place. And what continues to motivate me when things become challenging or get really caught up in the day to day activities of running a business, finding that purpose and working towards something that feels bigger than myself is What really inspires me and motivates me to get out of bed every day and sometimes stay up really late working on impact and just knowing that we can make that impact through something that feels as simple as food is really inspiring and really pushes me to continue working
2: towards this goal. What's critical for me in business and just in life is doing what makes you happy It's similar to pursuing something meaningful. If you work on something that you love, you become the best at it and you end up working so hard and hopefully achieving your goals. And of course, this doesn't only apply in the workplace, it also applies in life in general. So just taking whatever that risk is towards happiness, which takes a lot of courage. But in the end, I think that you either fail trying or you succeed. It's always taking that choice towards happiness for me. And we try to
1: have a lot of fun at work too. I think part of working in food, we get to try a lot of different foods. And even with our tuna, we've tried it too many times. But it's always a lot of fun putting together a new dish or a new recipe that we're testing or a new sauce that we're showcasing. So we try to encourage that amongst our
2: team as well.
3: What have you been most surprised about during this journey?
2: The most surprising thing was. How open people are to help. When I first moved to San Francisco, that was something that I noticed about the tech scene in general, that everyone was like, oh, I can help you with this and with that. And I feel like I've experienced a similar thing in the food scene as well, where we've collaborated on events. We've had the salesperson from this company help us out with this and we help them out with that. So it's just kind of like sharing resources and knowledge and even providing products for each other's events has been helpful and fun.
1: Because we didn't come from traditional food backgrounds. We learned a lot from talking to other founders in this new space. We found that all of the other like founders who became our mentors and good friends were always really willing to share their advice and experiences, whether it was related to fundraising or sales or hiring or just navigating the day-to-day activities of being a startup founder, having that community has always helped us a lot along the journey, just even having somebody to talk to.
0: Very cool. Well, Stephanie and Kelly, thank you both so much for being here today. It's been super interesting learning about Impact Food. Thank Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you so much.
3: This concludes our episode with Kelly and Stephanie from Impact Food. Thank you for joining
0: Please subscribe for more episodes of the Consumer Rundown podcast and visit us at consumerrundown.com. See you next time.